Welcome to Nothing Confidential, the podcast. I'm Kristen Henke, hostess with the mostest, matcha snob, and unapologetically bad at small talk. Seriously, tell me about your childhood. And I'm Joan Carnachon, queen of messy conversations, skincare junkie, and highly allergic to bullshit. You are now entering a judgment-free zone where together we will navigate the vital conversations that lift shame and shift paradigms. Our deepest desire is to normalize rewriting the narratives women have been taught about pleasure, money, power, sexual expression, and self-sovereignty. So join us each week for unfiltered, raw dialogue that educates, empowers, and hopefully entertains, or at the very least, makes the hard topics feel a little safer. And oh, by the way, when we say women, we are speaking to humans who identify with the divine feminine nature, non-binary royalty, our sacred sluts, the matriarch in the rising, and those of us who are still trying to figure their shit out. You guys know I love a good disclaimer, so here goes. We are not to be mistaken for doctors, lawyers, clinically trained psychologists, therapists, or your mother. But we are someone's mom. If you True. think this state is going well, subscribe to our show. And community means everything to us, so make sure to tell a friend or like all of your friends. Hey, hey, hey. It's that time again. <laughs> it's that time again where we do some things and answer your questions and just hold space for all the things that you guys are wanting to talk about. <laughs> we do some things like drinking smoothies things. and <laughs> purging and processing. I mean, that's just life, right? We're here to purge process and continue on, celebrate and reach for our desires as much as we possibly can. For sure. And we are <laughs> excited. We got some good feedback from you guys after our last two episodes. And it seems that you all really love it when Joe and I just kind of ditch any official format and just talk through <laughs> what's going on for us and what's really active and alive and at, at times inflamed in our own lives so that you can draw your own parallels. So we're really grateful that our experiences are supportive and that you guys see yourself in them. That makes us really happy. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's like, you know, it's interesting. Me and Kristen were just talking about this, how in this time of, of life through this pandemic, through this, just like era of what we're living through so much of us just really need to know that we're not alone going through our shit and that we have, pretty much the same questions in our minds, but we're so afraid to even acknowledge them or even just the same thoughts in our minds about what's going on or where we're at in our world. And we're like, oh, is this normal? Is this, is this something that I'm, I'm the only one going through or does somebody else feel or think this way too? Yeah. It's just acknowledging those things that feel so true in your mind, but you don't know if you're even allowed to say them out loud. Like they sound way worse when you say them out loud. <laughs> For example, <laughs> I said to Joe this morning, I am in a place where my daughter, James, who is one has just gone through all of these crazy changes. And 
sleep has been real challenging for the whole family. We went through her 12 month sleep regression, seemed like she was getting a handle. She was back to 12 hour nights and then she started cutting new teeth. So teething comes with a cold. So that's another solid week of not sleeping well. And now we're through that and feels like she should be sleeping really well. We should all be sleeping really well. And yet she's getting up once in the middle of the night and then very early in the morning. And I truly don't know what's going on. I don't know what is causing that. And it is definitely feeling, causing feelings of frustration and overwhelm for me because I don't know how to support her. And clearly she needs something. And so I just looked at Joe and I was like, this whole, like everything would be so much easier if she wasn't here (laughs) right now. And I can say that because I know that Joe completely understands what I'm talking about. Like there's, I can say that without questioning my undeniable love for my child and how blessed I am by her presence. But it's also true just on a very basic level that podcasting and running a business and like doing all these things is way easier without a baby that doesn't sleep. Did you also forget that you're moving? Oh shit. Yeah. We're moving and moving and packing your life up while you're trying to do that. Like I'm sitting in the middle of boxes and I'm like, let's pack the computer last. (laughs) I know I was having this conversation with my friend and he was reminding me just that if you're not questioning the things that you're doing as a parent, you're actually not doing it right. Like if you think you have it all nailed down, you're probably doing it wrong. Yeah. Or maybe you've just got a ton of resources and support and you have the magic answers and we're really looking for those magic answers. Yeah. If you have those magic answers, please call in. Please, 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 please send them in. 1-800, here's your clue. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. And I mean, I was just like telling Kristen too, just in this stage of my life, for whatever reason, and I knew this wasn't real, but for whatever reason, I was like, you know, I'm moving into this new new place and I'm starting this next chapter in this whole separation divorce thing. I am not going to feel the same things I felt six months ago. Nope. Was completely wrong. I still feel them. They're still very real and very present. And sometimes they come up like a motherfucker. And I'm like, holy shit, healing is hard. And I know this, but damn it, does it have to be this hard? Yeah. Does it have to be this hard? And just remembering. Well, and we know it's, there's so many sayings and phrases within the the self-help, self-development growth community where they almost feel like cliches. And yet some of them, if you actually remind yourself like what they're supposed to mean, like healing is not linear. Like healing isn't linear. It's something you hear all the time. But when you remind yourself that that is in fact true and what that looks like, it's like healing doesn't always, it doesn't follow an organized format. It doesn't go steps one through 20. Like it comes in waves. And sometimes it feels like something you can set your day up on and function just fine. Other days it knocks you on your ass and you don't ever know which day it's going to be until you're in the middle of it. Oh my God. Yeah. And then you like question your entire reality and your identity and everything around you. And you're just like, Oh God. Yep. This is, this is what I just have to go through because healing is not a state. It's a verb and it's a, it's an actual motion that you have to actually go through. And you're like, wow. Yep. I am healing with an I N G. Yep. That's me. I N G. I am. 
So all of that being said, sharing the real, the raw, saying what's on our minds, we thought we would get back into what is on your mind. And this week we are just digging back into the, the tank of where we keep our questions, uh, from you guys, listener questions. So this is going to be a Q and a with C and J and <laughs> James is up. So I'm going to pause and we'll come back on. That was perfect timing. That was. Yeah. So I'm going <laughs> to pause that. I'm just going to. So speaking of kids, James just got up from a nap. It was actually a really good nap. And now she is, she has joined us. So if you hear some little, if you hear, uh, some really clear ball and dog in the background, maybe some laughing, that's, that's her input. Yeah. Yeah. A lot. She's, she's going to tell us a little bit about, you know, the things that you talk to her about around sex. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So should we dive right into the question? Speaking of kids, totally, two of them have something to do with kids. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So cue number one from a listener was how do you teach? That is not exactly what I was planning on. That's like a little <laughs> more directly involved than I was hoping for. Could you go play with your toys? <laughs> she said, Mm-hmm. She says yes. Her head says yes, but her body. Says yes. So the question that we got was, "How do you teach sensuality, self-love, self-pleasure, and expression of sexuality to our kids?" And, you know, Kristen, I think this would be really great for you to start off because for me, I didn't actually really start that until maybe seven years ago. So I guess, like, how how would you start as a mom who is actually fully embodied in your sensuality and sexuality prior to having kids, and then you know. Yeah. That yeah. I love, I love this question. It's one of my favorite things to talk about the in communication and conversation about constantly, because I really believe that the concept of quote unquote, the talk has done such a monumental disservice to parents and to children everywhere. When you think that something as important and pivotal and central and vital as your sexuality can be summed up in a conversation you have one time, sometime between the ages of like nine and 12, I feel like that is just opening us up for disappointment and a lot of miscommunication and confusion. So for what? For one, <laughs> I I think that embracing the process of educating our kids as something that is ongoing and indirect. For example, so much of what she's learning about sexuality, sensuality, and pleasure right now, she is learning through osmosis. Like she is learning from watching me be embodied. Mike and I are also really conscious about teaching her consent in the way that you can teach a one-year-old about consent. And that has to do with bodily autonomy and respecting her space and respecting her wishes. We ask permission before we give her a kiss or give her a hug. We'll ask her at bedtime. We'll say, you know, can mommy have a kiss? Can daddy have a kiss? And sometimes she'll lean in and offer us a kiss. And sometimes she won't. Sometimes she'll shake her head and she'll pull away. And we're like, okay, well, we love you. And we put her in the bed and we're like, we'll see you. See you in the morning. We love you. Uh, we, you know, a lot of times, obviously dealing with a small child, like their safety is number one. So there are times when I have to grab her quickly to avoid disaster, in which case, even when I'm doing that, even on the fly, I'm like, Hey, James, I, we're going to do this. Like, I will tell her what's happening as it's happening 
so that she doesn't ever feel like just because she's small, that she doesn't get a say over where her body is going and what it's doing. We are also really conscious Mm. about communicating her about like just daily stuff when we're changing her clothes. Hey, we're going to change your clothes now. Hey, we're going to change your diaper and just chatting through what we're doing so that we're not just whipping around from task to task, mindlessly doing things to her. She's an active participant in everything that's happening that involves her body. And I think that is hugely Mm. important. We can, uh, I could dig into that way, way more as far as consent with kids, but the question around, you know, self-pleasure and expression, first of all, you don't have to teach a child self-pleasure. That is a very natural, natural, instinctive thing that all kids will find on their own. And it's actually just up to you to manage your own triggers and judgments and conditioning around that when it happens. So you don't have to worry about teaching them that. I think what is more important is teaching them where, it, it is safe for them to explore that and helping them set sacred containers to explore that, like helping them realize that the living room when you're having a dinner party is not the best time or the safest space to explore <laughs> touching your body and seeing what feels good. But you can always do that in your room. That's always available to you. There's always places where it's safe for you to go and do that. And I think these conversations vary based on age appropriateness. Like I'm not going to talk to my one-year-old about that, but when she starts touching herself and exploring, like that's when we'll have that conversation. So I think just staying tuned into them and where they are. And as I briefly touched on, as they are awakening more and more to the fact that they are sexual, sensual little beings, we all are like, it's nothing could be more natural than that but really keeping your own biases and conditioning and traumas around these things in check as they are exploring and really taking note of how their exploration and curiosity makes you feel and trying to stay really grounded and breathe really deeply and remind yourself that this is an ongoing conversation. It's an ongoing process. You're teaching them more through how you show up than what you say to them. So really living out your truths and beliefs around body positivity and acceptance and being in your body and pleasure. Like they're so aware. They're so much more aware of how to experience pleasure in their bodies than we are most of the time, because no one has taught them how to not do that yet. No one has told them that any part of that is wrong. Mm -hmm. And so creating safety and a space where they can be curious and they can ask questions and they can explore without getting jumped on or shamed. I think that is really important. Surrounding yourself with resources. Uh, sex positive families is one of my absolute favorite ones. You can find them on Instagram at sex positive families. Their blog is really comprehensive and they have so much content and information about this, about the conversations of consent, about how to react when kids start approaching these things at different ages, uh, education, all of it. So I highly, highly recommend that you dig into that, but Joe throwing it back to you, like your girls are older now. So I'm, I'm laying the foundation really early with her, but even given the consciousness you've brought to this for yourself, but now also your daughters who are living with you, who are 11 and 16, almost 17. Like, what is that? What do these conversations look like for you guys? Yeah. I mean, for me, you know, similar to you in terms of modeling it, but it happened after not modeling it for so long, for, for so long. I mean, 
you know, my self-love journey, my self-discovery journey didn't start for me until I was like 28. And at the time, Iris was already nine. Olivia was three. So learning how to love myself fully and unconditionally started at such a much at a much later age for me. And I remember, you know, that moment when I realized I didn't love myself, me and Iris were in front of the mirror, she was getting ready. And she looked at me, she was like, Mom, I love you so much. You are so beautiful. And I said, No, I'm not I'm ugly and fat. And I remember that moment, I was like, Oh, fuck, I need to change the conversations I'm having with myself. Because just like what you pointed out, osmosis, your kids are going to pick it up. You are going to model what the kids are going to learn in your environment, no matter what, no matter if you're actually saying it, it's your actions that are going to be the ones that they pick up the most. And so for me, it was in that moment where I just knew I'd have to take charge of loving my body and loving my whole self. And so I learned through mistake, I guess, in some way, or like not knowing how to do that. But, you know, in my mind, it always was like, what is the information I wish I knew at that age? How can I turn this around? Because I was never taught that at such a young age, I was never taught to love myself. I was never taught that pleasure and joy were okay. I mean, it's funny, the things that you said about, uh, and I love that you pointed this out, that kids are never taught that pleasure is that pleasure is bad until they are taught that it's bad. You know, like they just learn pleasure, joy and moving and being free in their body until somebody says, that's not something you should do. And, you know, I don't know if this is um, a person of color type of story, but I know for me, everything that was pleasurable was wrong when I was a child, anything that brought me joy, being in the sun and being Filipino. And my parents were so concerned over skin color. They were like, don't be in the sun. And the sun brings me so much pleasure and so much joy. And I remember rebelling against that, but you know, those types of things. And so when it comes to self-love, when it comes to activating pleasure, I always like try to tell the girls, especially at their ages now, 11 and 17, what is pleasurable in your body? What, what feels safe? And when I explain safety, I, I tell it to them in a very, um, very basic like knowledge. And, and I explain that safety in the body feels like you are in a flow state and your nervous system isn't activated. And you can feel clear about the decisions you make, the expression, the things that you say. And so if you can understand that pleasure is about creating safety and a sense of stability in the body, then awesome. Um, you know, it's really funny because, you know, how do you teach sensuality to your kids? The way that I view sensuality, and this is also the way that I, I teach my clients, is I talk about sensuality in the pure basic mm -hmm. form of your senses, touch, taste, uh, sound, sight, and um, smell. I'm, I'm missing the last one. Yeah. I'm missing the last one. Smell. Thank you. Um, and so my house is a expression of sensuality. Everything that I see is something that brings me some sense of joy and soothing. And it activates my senses in that, you know, it makes me feel a certain way. There's an embodied feeling about it. And so when I teach my kids about sensuality, I talk to them about what does it taste like? What does it feel like? What does it sound like to you? What are you seeing? What's what feels connective to you? And how do you activate the emotions that come out of that? So that, that way it tends, it ties into their expression of sexuality or sensuality. Um, it's funny about the self-pleasure part because uh, me and Iris were 
were at Whole Foods one time and, you know, Iris is my teenager and I didn't start talking to her about sex really until, you know, I did the whole, I did the whole thing. Like you talk to them about sex when they get sex education at school. And it was just that one time talk. And this is obviously a time where for me, I was uncomfortable about talking about sexuality. And so when it came to self-pleasure, you know, we had already had this talk. We'd start talking about sex because her school was also sending her home with homework around consent, dating apps. Um, and I live in California, so I don't know if it's super progressive, but I thought it was awesome that our teacher sent her home with like consent and all this other paperwork. Yeah, that's incredible because that is not the overwhelming response to sex education in the rest of the United States. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, she, she told me like in her health class that they even brought, um, a couple of trans folks in her class so that they can talk about their experience of, um, their, their, them, them trying to embrace their identity and what their lived experience was with that, which I thought was awesome too. So in terms of self-pleasure, I did the fucking fucked up bullshit thing that you do, you don't do as a parent, but knowing our relationship, it's one of those things of like, oh yeah, totally Joe would have totally done that with our kids. Iris and I were at Whole Foods as a family trip. And I was like, Iris, out of curiosity, do you have any questions about masturbation? And she was like, oh my God, mom. Like in line at Whole Foods, you're like, speaking <laughs> of uh, keto cups with hazelnut <laughs> butter, do you have any questions about orgasm or pleasuring I mean, yourself? You know- <laughs> <laughs> we have open conversations about sex in our house, you know, like, I mean, this is around the time when me and me and John, her, their dad were just like really kind of reconnecting in this like really gorgeous space about our sex life and and breaking down the shame. So we were just like, you know what, we're going to talk about sex as if it's a, a, an open thing. And so she was like, oh my God, mom, I cannot believe you're asking me this. Yes, I masturbate. No, we're not going down this road and having those questions. And I just like... Uh, I like love that at least like she was like, oh my God, mom, you're crazy weird. And I love you. Like, yes, I no. do. I, if I have, yeah, if I have anything, I'll get back to you. But like, I don't want to do this right now. Not particularly not at Whole Foods. Thanks. Yeah. And I think, you know, one of the things that I've always given, you know, advice about when it comes to talking about sex with your kids is just leave the door open in a sense of like, hey, I would love to talk to you about this, but no pressure to talk about it right now. So that they know that you find comfort or confidence, even if it's fake, in yourself that you can talk about this with them. (laughs) Even if it's fake. Even if it's fake and they can just walk through the door with it and you don't have to barrage them with all this like sex information or, you know, conversations around masturbation. And so I just kind of left it there. Uh, With with our 11-year-old, what's really interesting about both kids is actually my daughters right now – one of them identifies with being non-binary and she, her pronouns are she and they, and then the other one, um, identifies with being pansexual. And so pansexuality, actually both of them identify with being pansexual. So pansexuality means that they can be attracted to anybody. It doesn't really matter, uh, what the identity marker is or what their sexual identity or expression is. They are they're attracted to them. They haven't quite explored the sexuality or the sex part or the physical attraction to them yet, but they see humans as just humans. And I think, you know, when it comes to teaching them about the expression of their sexuality, just like Kristen said, keep it open, give it, give them room to be curious, to explore, teach them that, you know, gender itself is a societal and cultural construction of what that really means. And then it gives them some space to go, okay, well, Maybe I'm this, maybe I'm that today. Maybe I'm, I'm this today. And, and I think 
I think giving children the ability to also, or not the ability, but the permission to change their mind is like really important about sex and sensuality and how they're going to explore that. Because I know, I know for both of us, we've probably experienced our expression of sexuality to be so fluid throughout the years. Mm-hmm. Some days it's like, oh my God, we want to embody this particular archetype. Other days we're like, mm, nope, nope, that's not going to be me. And I think giving kids the permission to change their mind about sex and love and sensuality and self-pleasure of whether it's right or wrong for them gives them a wider berth to understand it, mm-hmm. especially as they get older. I love all of that. And I want to jump back a little bit to um, a couple points, if I can remember them all. One was just while you were talking about sensuality, something that kept coming up for me is a piece of a conversation that I had um, with a friend of mine who wrote a beautiful book on sex education from a pleasure standpoint called uh, On Blossoming, Gia Lynn. I actually, I believe she was episode three of the first season of Nothing Confidential. And she kind of broke down the difference between sensuality and sexuality sexuality and was saying like, often we talk about sensuality as if it is a candlelit R and B version of sex. And that is not (laughs) it. Like boys to men in the background, rose petals on the ground, like just a softer version of sex. And that Mm. isn't true. And I love that you highlighted sensuality as the, the process, the relationship to your senses and sensory experiences. Mm -hmm. And so language being as powerful as it is, I just keep coming back to when it comes to exploring self-pleasure, being in touch with your senses for kids, for all of us, like the, this was our intended natural setting. Like we were conditioned out of those things. We were, we had experiences that made it feel unsafe to be in our bodies and be in touch with pleasure and with our senses. And so over time we have grown numb to these things and we're having to retrain ourselves, but our kids do not have to do that. Like our kids, we don't have to teach them how to be in touch with their senses. So the word that I would rather use here is like, how do we curate? How do we continue intentionally Mm. curating their sensory experiences? Because they're so open to those and they're so alive and tapped into that stuff that I think it's just having an awareness of it and even asking them questions around it. I know when I give James something new or something different, I'll be like, how does that feel? Like, does that feel good? Does that feel kind of weird? Like, does that feel squishy? Does that feel like I'll give her all kinds of different words without making a judgment of the thing. Even when she, I've tried to practice, even when she falls, all of her falls are not painful. She, you know, she'll, she'll trip or she'll roll. And lately she will throw herself on the ground because it gets a reaction. She thinks it's funny. Like Mike was doing something silly over the weekend where he would pretend to trip and fall and like make a big reaction. And she laughed and she thought it was funny. And so now she'll like throw herself on the ground and like roll around and do all these things. And so instead of like when she falls, I've switched my language and I'm pretty sure I got this from a slide, uh, off of, I forget where one of the super helpful (laughs) educational (laughs) Instagram accounts I follow when it comes to this stuff. But instead of saying like, oh my gosh, like, are you like, are you hurt? I'll be like, Hey, I saw that you fall, that you fell. Like, how do you, how does your body feel? Like, are you, do, are you experiencing any pain or like, are you like, how are you feeling? Are you okay? And just kind of offering 
different framings for her to be with all of those experiences without projecting my own like thought onto what that should feel like. Cause you know, for her falling backwards out of a chair, that's two, three inches off the ground is not necessarily going to be traumatizing. Like it scares the shit out of me, but she, you know, landed on her diaper and rolled and, you know, maybe that was fun for her. And so I think just, you know, remembering that when we're dealing with kids and then, there was probably something else, but that was the main one. <laughs> that was the main one I was thinking You know, I, I love that you said all of that because the one thing that comes to mind is um, neutralizing. Mm. For whatever reason, it just, it, like, I think it's not about, like, how do you teach sensual? I mean, yes, how do you teach sensuality? But how do you frame it so that everything is neutral and it allows them to make sense of all of this? And then giving them guide rails, but making sure that the guide rails that you have are a lot larger than maybe what you've experienced when you were mm. a kid learning about these these things. And, and just catching yourself. Yes. The neutralization, hugely important normalization, hugely important so that there isn't space for shame to creep in so that there isn't like, you know, it's like catching your own reactions to stuff. So for example, I mean, we're, we're a pretty chill household when it comes to like nudity, using the bathroom, like whatever at this Mm -hmm. point, I mean, she's only one. These are, these are conversations and things that are based both off of the adult and the child's comfort level. So it's watching them to see like if they're comfortable and don't think anything of the situation, you trying to mirror that energy for them and also leading with that. But like right now, my husband is fine being naked in front of James, like no big deal. So far it's two girls in the house and then Mike's walking around, but she's definitely the age where, you know, she'll look and sometimes even point like Michael get out of the shower. And she's like, that is clearly different than what is going on, like with our bodies. <laughs> and so we just, in literally the most casual way ever, we'll be like, yep, that's daddy's penis. Like, yep, that's this. Yep, yeah, that's mm-hmm. that. Cause she's just acknowledging it. It's not anything weird. It's not anything strange. And now if Mike immediately, like every time he's not, if you're not great at closing the door, James is at the age where she will just open the door and walk in on you. She busts in on you in the bathroom, like all the time. So Michael be like standing up peeing and she goes and like pops the door open and he'll just be like, Hey girl, like what's going on? You know, like, <laughs> but if he were to be like, James, daddy's peeing or James, dad, get out of here. Like right. dad's using the bathroom. If he started reacting like that, she would immediately think, Oh, there's something about this. That is bad. That's there's wrong. something about mm-hmm. this is wrong. Something about this that I'm supposed to feel shame about. And so that's really what we're trying to avoid. And we could go on about that for a long time, but maybe that's a different conversation. But (laughs) I also just appreciated uh, what you were sharing about, um, you know, allowing curiosity and space for them to come to you, building a culture in your family, building in a culture of communication and questions. And it's okay to not know the answer to the questions. And it's okay Mm -hmm. to ask the question. It's okay to wonder, like none of that is bad. It's all super normal to have questions about this and to feel curious about this. And, you know, when it comes to just, you know, even fluidity, like there's things where I, I would love, like by the time James is old enough to think about or talk about, you know, identifying, you know, gender identification and all these different things. I would love it. If it was like, I am a human being who came out, I was born into a female body, but like everything else is up for however, like wherever I'm being guided and whatever feels good. Like I, she plays with everything. She has cars and she has trains and she has a doll and she has a tea set and she has construction. She has tools. She has all these different Mm -hmm. things that she loves to play with equally. And I think this might be a bold statement. And I'm just saying this, like my personal belief is that if there weren't so many 
constructs put into place, if emphasis wasn't placed on so many things and we were just allowed, if there wasn't like boy stuff and girl stuff and whatever, like everyone would just exist on this like beautiful fluid path together. And there wouldn't be like, I don't think there would be the need to define everything all the time. Mm-hmm. And so I just, I don't know, like, it's still really early, um, for her, but like, she is a beautiful girl living in a, in a girl's body and playing with whatever toys suit her. And, you know, I try to offer her a wide array of colors and expressions. And like, I was very specific with everyone about not overwhelming her with pink. I'm like, I get that she's the only girl on this side of the family, like, but mustard yellow and sage green and blues and burgundies and like all of these colors, pink is also allowed. I'm not going to like outlaw pink, but I also am not a huge fan of, you know, like Disney princess culture and like dragging all that shit in here. And so it's been an interesting journey and one that we are navigating daily. So Yeah. Love the question. I think it's something we should all keep talking about because obviously the more we know and the more in alignment we feel, the better we're going to be able to provide that safe space for our kids to explore and to learn and expand. So love it. Yeah. Keep it coming. I think too, just wanted to add one more last thing is like, don't feel the pressure as a parent to be the only person to provide this knowledge to your children. Give space for the aunties and the other people in your life, the other adults in their life that they feel safe and comfortable with to have these questions with. Um, Because my daughters identify with being non-binary and um, because they have more of that exploration there, I'm always like, talk to other adults who identify with queer and who have identified with being queer for much longer than Mm -hmm. I'm fully aware of what that is. And that gives them the just the ability and freedom to ask other adults and then not feel like you as the parent are the only teachers of sex, sensuality, and self-pleasure to your kids. But one, one asterisk on that. I love that. I agree with everything Joe just said. That also reminds me though, that so many people avoid uncomfortable conversations about sex and things with their children because they're afraid of getting it wrong. But this conversation and these, like everything that it touches is too important to leave in the hands of the education system or someone else's fifth grader. So you definitely want to be the one to get to it first. And you want to create a space and a culture where you are able to continually be overseeing, supporting, and, you know, really holding the boundaries around how and where and when this education is happening. So even if it feels unnatural, even if it feels scary, even if you're worried about getting it wrong, I guarantee you that you cannot, especially if you are aware enough and to be asking this question, to have the desire to do this in a way that is nourishing for them, you are not going to mess it up more than them getting the 1950s version of sex education from the public school system or hearing about babies coming out of butts from their fifth grade neighbor. So Wait, I just wanted to do that. Babies don't come, they don't come from out of storks? <laughs> I thought they were delivered they through Amazon Pride. No. Amazon Prime? Amazon Baby Prime. Yeah, no? Baby Prime, two-day free delivery. <laughs> no hemorrhoids, guaranteed. <laughs> How great would that be? Oh my god! I mean, yes, it's scary, right? Like, just all of a sudden, you have a fucking baby delivered to you. Oh, I got you a gift. No, thank you. Yeah. (laughs) All right. I feel like we should move on to question number two. What do you think? Yeah. So, 
you know, this question I think is really, really great because I've, I've definitely asked myself this several times when I was younger. Is there a normal number of times to do it? And by do it, they mean sex. They mean have uh, sex. <laughs> <laughs> do the sex, have the sex, take the sex. Is there a normal number of times to do it? Let's say per week. I'm married with two toddlers. We don't do it as often as I thought normal, but we both enjoy it when we do. Mm. And this what is such is a great normal? question. What is normal? What is even freaking normal? Okay. So I have, I have multiple aspects of this that I know Joe, Joe does as well. <laughs> First of all, is there a normal amount? No, there is not. Eh, no, there is not. <laughs> there is what is normal for you. And that is literally mm. all that matters. Now, is it totally human and totally normal to wonder if you are having more or less or the same amount of sex as everyone else? Yes. That is just a human experience. We all want to know what everybody else is doing all the time to our detriment, I would say, <laughs> but absolutely no, there, nobody gets to dictate what is normal or what is the prime amount of times to have sex other than you. And for the asker of this question, you brought up something really important, which is that when you do have sex, you really, really enjoy it. Mm -hmm. And that is literally all that matters. That is yep. all that matters. So the only time that this should come up between a couple as to when, how much we're having sex is if one or both parties are not happy or satisfied with the amount of sex that you're having. If you're having sex once a month and somebody really wishes that you were having sex more, that needs to be a conversation. If you're having sex five times a week, but the sex doesn't feel like it's quality. You don't feel like you're really connecting. It feels like scratching an itch, but there's no intimacy involved. Like that needs to be a conversation. But if you are on the same page with your partner about what feels good, then you're golden. My friends, like you yeah. are in a great space. I mean, and the number changes like this person mm. who asked has two toddlers. Okay. So the number dramatically changes based on the season of life you're in, how many kids, lots of different factors. So like Mike and I used to bang like rabbits. Like we used to have sex <laughs> all the time to the point that I remember him telling me specifically, which the whole scenario and imagining it made me laugh my ass <laughs> off that he was visiting his older sister in North Dakota and they were hanging out, drinking beers. And at some point it came up like how many times, like how many times a week do you guys have sex? And he was like, I don't know, like four, five, three, four, five. And like, at that point we've been together for five, six years. And they're like, really? It's like, I mean, for us, that was normal. Like that's what we had the energy for. That's what we had the drive for. We loved it. It was fun. Uh, now hate to break it to you. It looks real different, like really different having a baby, not sleeping, all of the things we now have sex, maybe two times a week on a really good week. So I don't want anyone to be comparing to that number either, like two times a week on a good <laughs> week, but more often than not, it's about the intentionality. And we have mm -hmm. both like that brought up friction for me because being incredibly sexual and having really high drive, I would prefer to have sex more. And so that was a conversation mm -hmm. we had several different times until we both came to the place where we agreed that quality mattered more than quantity for this season. We will not always be in this season, but for right now, bringing intentionality to the encounters and making sure that we're really, really enjoying them. 
that's the most important thing. So we consistently have sex. Like maybe it's once every Saturday, but that session lasts longer. There's more time and energy and we know we're coming into it. We have that expectation. And so there is time for creativity and for play and for stuff that during the week, if we were trying to fit it in with the very limited amount of time, it's like choosing sleep over sex sleep is going to win right now because we desperately, <laughs> desperately need it. And so, you know, saving, setting aside consistent time every week where we can focus on the quality of that encounter over how many times we're doing it or not doing it. That has been really helpful for us where we're at right now. So I think, yeah, I think that's, that's, that's my thoughts on that. They're pretty straightforward. <laughs> it's just like, as long as you're happy, as long as you're enjoying the yeah. sex, that's what matters. You do not need to give a flying fuck about how much everybody else is having sex. It's only about you and the person you're having sex with. And if you two are both happy on the same page and getting your needs met, that's what matters. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I love that. I love that you pointed out how this person said we both enjoy it yeah, when we, we like do. It. I mean, that's, that's all that fucking matters. I mean, there are times in my sex life where I mean, same, same with you, me and John, before we had the kids, we were, we, we were, we were humping like bunnies, like every freaking You're younger, where. your hormones are different. <laughs> you got more time. You don't have any responsibilities. Like For sex sure. is very different when you are unburdened by responsibility. For sure. and, and it's so funny because I get, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to reimagine myself when I had toddlers and I'm just like, oh my God, I couldn't even think about sex. So for the, the fact that you guys are having it and enjoying it, Amazing. Great. Freaking winning. You're great. winning right now. <laughs> great. Great. Cause for me, I was like, I am going through a desert dry spell right now. And you know, when the, when the, when the girls got bigger for us, I mean, it was definitely this, like, how do we reconnect again? And how do we get back to a place where this felt normal? And we had to have those conversations. And I love that you brought up having those conversations. because I think it's just important to just check in and to see, hey, is this normal between you and I? Do we still enjoy this? What, what can we do differently? How can we explore um, our pleasure a little bit differently? Or what can we do more of? Or what can we do less of? I think those conversations are really, really healthy to have. And then also the acknowledgement of like, maybe today I just don't want to do it. Yeah. And maybe today is just not it. And I love that you brought up the seasons because one thing that kind of came to me is like, and the, the thought that I've been kind of noshing on a bit with regards to sexuality is how we do have seasons in life and our sexuality does too. There's a winter season, there's a fall season, there's a spring season, and then there's a summer season with our sexuality. And it doesn't necessarily coordinate uh, with like the seasons of the calendar. It's just the seasons of where our body's at, where our life is at, where our energy is at. And if the energy's not there, you're not going to be in your spring season. And that's also okay. But I love the fact that you said that you enjoy it. And I think that's awesome. So lean into that for yeah. sure. And just constantly check in with each other with regards to what you guys define as normal. And also, I think too, when it comes to sex, um, I'm always I'm always a huge advocate of defining what all of these things mean to you. Because for some people, sex is penetration. Some people, sex is fooling around and messing around and maybe it's oral sex. And, and that's that's what they define as sex. For me, I kind of define sex in almost like everything and the flirtiness and in all of the things that we touch that turns us on sexually with me and my partner. And so, you know, funny thing, I'm just going to go on the side note on this. 
I've been moving into this house and my partner, Chris has been really helping me set this place up. And I remember texting my girlfriends and I was like, Oh my God, you guys, it's day three that Chris and I have spent in this house together. I think we're becoming super domestic and we're not having sex anymore. Like this is like, we haven't touched each other. And it was so funny. Cause the moment I said that, like, I think an hour later, we had like sex three times that evening. <laughs> and so it just was like, you know, it just, it's sometimes it's just about bringing it up. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. to see what is it, what does it feel like between you and your partner? Yeah. Again, coming back to that, like that, that staying tuned in to each other and like what's going on and like, are, are we both happy? Are we both okay mm-hmm. with this? Like we've definitely had moments, Mike and I were, you know, you wake up and you're like, dude, it's, it's definitely fixed. She just unplugged my microphone for sure. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's definitely been a couple of like a week or two since we've had sex and like, we're not cool with that. Like we have priority. Excuse me. Hey, that's getting to be a lot for what's happening here. What do you need? She's like, mom, you've said like, this has been too many times. I don't think she cares about that. I think she's like, you, (laughs) you have had the microphone the whole time. And I would like to hold the microphone now. Come here, bugs. (laughs) She's like, I have some things to say about what is normal about about sex in this life. Yeah. (laughs) She's like, lately, I'm really into my tongue. I'm super into like rubbing that all over my hand and like licking my arm. Like she's going into her tongue right now. Is this normal? Is this normal? Yeah. (laughs) Honey, that's getting intense. Intense, girl. Oh my goodness. We'll cut out most of this. Um, we got one more question left. So I'm like, how do we, that are we, or we also save that one to save the other one. Okay. Yeah. We have been going for a while, so we could probably wrap this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. Mm -hmm. Um, coming back to my, I'll have to cut that in. Yeah. Just essentially like waking up and realizing that it's been three weeks since we've had sex and which I, I just made that up. I don't think we've actually ever gone three weeks without having sex. Um, but except for when I was pregnant, maybe, maybe Mm. like this is falling to shit at the seams. (laughs) (laughs) I will probably just cut out where I came in with more and end it very neatly where you said your last thing. So we'll just, we'll wrap up. Hey, can you come over here and sit with me while we wrap up? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You, you just want to see what's on the screen. You just want to know what's going on. Yeah. You just want to help us I get it. I get it. I get it. Mm, yeah. So now that you have a toddler on your lap. Yeah. So now that we're now that we're back, toddler on my lap. <laughs> sex is different. Sex looks good. In summation, you know, teaching, teaching always through example. <laughs> Kids learn by watching us for the most part, your relationship to your body. She is making the best faces at Joe right now. Uh, your relationship to your body, how you show up in partnership, your comfort level with your own sensuality, your ability to stop and be intentional and enjoy and take pleasure and be with yourself. Like these are all things that your kids are going to get from you. So just trust that, trust that too. And then Mm. there is no normal other than what you say is normal. And as long as you are freaking enjoying it, that is all that matters. Literally all that matters. Yeah. 
What else? What else do we want to leave them with? This feels good. I think just like leaving, I mean, for both of those questions, yeah, for sure. Whatever feels good to you. Yeah. At the end of the day, all of this, how do you this teach your kids about sexuality, self-love, <laughs> a carte. pleasure, what whatever feels good to you in that moment, in that time frame, in that space, and whatever makes you feel comfortable, safe in your body, exploring how to teach your kids about all these things. And then in terms of just what's normal between you and your partner having sex, especially with, with t- two toddlers, fuck what everything says on the internet, except for, you know, this advice, which is <laughs> figure out what's normal what's to you and you? lean into that. Yes. Lean into that yes, because man. yeah. And enjoy it. Enjoy it, especially and if you enjoy it. I think you said it earlier too, but just not only just for our kids, but normalize changing your mind and adapting based on what is in front of you. Like your kids, you don't know who they're going to be tomorrow or next year or in five years. And so just know that you can feel really grounded today and feel really heard and feel like, oh, this is great. This is how I'm going to move forward and deal with, you know, X, Y, and Z. And then you're going to be presented with new information that we didn't cover and you're going to need to pivot and make a decision and that's okay. Like that is okay. And with that in mind, you yes. guys, we are wrapping up. We are wrapping. Baby James ours. is expired. This is baby of ours. This baby of ours. Our baby. She's, she's got to go. <laughs> All right. We love y'all. You know where we to love find you. us. Thank you. Keep the questions coming. Yeah. Keep them coming, friends. Smooch, love smooch. you guys. Hug, hug. Kiss, kiss. Thank you folks so much for listening. If this conversation tickled your fancy, opened your mind, or gave you permission to simply express yourself a little bit more authentically, share with a friend, rate us on Apple Podcasts, follow on Spotify, or subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. 